to terrorize children in museums. Eh. What was I saying? Uh. Uh, did I tell you about that time I was trapped in a nuclear test site? That's fucking ridiculous. Lucky for me, there was a fridge. So, welcome to our first official episode of No Time for Love, Dr. Jones, where we follow the fictional adventures of Dr. Henry Walton Jones Jr. as he bounces off of real-world history and important figures. With his, yeah, he had to leave the dog Indy behind. I am your host, Jamie Chambers, and this is my sister Bambi being forced along this little ride. Yeah. Or little you know, mine cart ride. Like yeah, like short round in the mine cart. That's me. <laughs> like short round, you're you're dragged against your will. I don't feel like short round was dragged against his will, actually. I feel like he was there willingly for what, some reason. Where was he gonna go without Indiana Jones like feeding him. There's an argument to be made that was child slavery. There is I have so many questions about short However, round. We could have an entire fucking how, like philosophical conversation about short round. Short round will not why even he be, was there and what the fuck happened to him. He will not even be born for quite a while yet. So, once again, no time for love Dr. Jones is bonus content. They will normally be given to our beloved $5 or more subscribers. Bonuses. We love you, but if uh, this episode will be given away for free to everyone, so you can actually see what this sort of thing is going to be like as we talk about Indiana Jones. We're going to so if you are one of the five dollar or higher subscribers, you will get the entire series of No Time for Love, Doctor Jones, and all of the value of series where Bambi and I read each other god awful um, historical biographies written for children in the nineteen eighties. It's good times. Well, not really for me, but... So, in our episode zero, we talked a little bit about the development of Young Indiana Jones, and it premiered on television in 1992 with a TV movie titled Young Indiana Jones and the Curse of the Jackal, first aired on March 4th, 1992. I was there. Does that make you feel old? As a two-hour TV movie to introduce the series. So, it, it features a plot that awkwardly ties together the murder committed at an archaeological dig in Egypt with the Mexican Revolution seven years later, and so that the audience could meet both little kid Indiana Jones plus the teenage version played by Sean Patrick Flannery. Which is much better. Right. However, we're only going to be covering the first half today. Of course we are. And because we're following his adventures chronologically, we have to just, we're going to have to hold on to, to the some of the plot threads from here and just like Indiana Jones have to wait a while <laughs> to get any kind of resolution. So today, however, we are, the one thing we're not going to do in chronological order though is the introductions by old Indy because I have done the work for our dear listeners if you go on YouTube, you can look for a YouTube channel called Young Indie Restored that has episodes of the show that have been kind of re-edited together with the original intros and outros, and they've tried to do as much of the narration as possible. There was even a commercial. Yeah, they tried to make it as close to the original experience of watching it in 1992 as possible, and it's free. So once again, just look for Young Indie Restored on YouTube if you want to follow along with us as we go through the adventures of Dr. Jones. Until Disney finds out and then shuts them and down. shuts us down. <laughs> well, not us down. We're we're what we're doing is completely legal. Uh, that is, we, this is called fair use. Uh, we are talking about something. Uh, you know, talking about in educational terms. We're good. However, these are just copyrighted material, just completely repackaged and re-aired on a paid YouTube channel. So yeah, that's. 
pretty blatant. I just don't know if they care enough about young Indiana Jones because they don't. They probably don't. It's not even on Disney Plus right now. You well, can't. of course not. I'm sure they're very ashamed of it. I think the only way you can get it right now is to either order like Blu-rays or to buy it on Amazon, like the the on demand. Yeah, I don't feel like buying it on Amazon. No, I like I watch, suggest watching YouTube. it watching it for free on YouTube. Way to go! So. Now we're going to start with our very first section called... I don't know, I'm making this up as I go. So in this section, we're going to just go over the plot of the episode and, and you know give our overview. So this is it. This is the first time we're introduced to young Indiana Jones on television on March of 1992. So our adventure begins, you might remember, in, in 1992. Which at the time, a, it was in modern day, which is sort of jarring. You watch Young Indiana Jones, and suddenly you just see a museum somewhere. Uh, you see a bunch of kids on a like a school field trip. Yeah, and honestly, they look like kids now. Yeah, it was just a very. It's like it, it was. It was kind of interesting. It's like they didn't really prep the audience that you're just gonna look. Looks like the museum down the street with ordinary looking kids on a field trip. But then we see a couple little kids get bored and just like run irresponsibly fast down the hallway. They didn't want to learn about mummies. They did not want to learn about mummies or Egypt or anything like that. And you hear, even though it is definitely not John Williams music, they try to do the little Indiana Jones musical nod of, you call it Mickey Mousing, where the music kind of follows the action and when it's kind of meant to be humorous. So there's almost this little cartoony sound. So you hear do 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 as the little kids are running down the hall. It's kind of trying to trick us into liking the kids despite them being assholes. It doesn't work. It does not work on someone because a cane comes out of frame and trips these little bastards and they fall on their face. So, and then a grizzled old man with an eye patch steps into frame. Okay, I have to be able to describe right, him. Because please, des- please describe this person. That, that First of all, because even before I watched it, in my head I was like, this guy looks just like Mad-Eye Moody. Because I, when I saw Mad-Eye Moody, that is what I saw. was which, old indie. Which Harry Potter was he first in? Um, He was in... Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire was the first one. And right. then... And then um, from pretty much then on out, yeah. Yeah, until... So, yeah. So, if you imagine this guy you're seeing, he's wearing this oversized fedora. He's got an eye patch, but glasses over the eye patch. Yeah, like a magical eye. It catches the light. And he is gnarled as fuck, just like a tree. And he steps out and he goes, Why aren't you kids in class? And then they're like... Oh, jeez, Mr. Brr. So the old man, obviously, is Indiana Jones. And and talk about hypocrisy. Indiana Jones is the teacher who was never in his own class. And one time we saw him sneak out of a window rather than have a conversation with even a single one of his own students. So Dr. Jones is such a fucking hypocrite at this point. Uh. And then when you find out about his life, 100% hypocrite, considering the bullshit he pulls as a kid. Well, honestly, I feel like he just escaped from the home. Oh, yeah. And they're going to send a search party looking for Honestly, I think that's the unspoken plot of every episode is is squirrely old Indiana Jones escapes from the nursing home once again. (laughs) To go torment And then right after the the credits roll, you see some dudes in white coats come and grab him, jacket him, and drag him back one more time. See, that's the part that we needed. goddamn Nazis! So anyway, yeah, he's a completely interesting to note though, he is wearing a bow tie at this point, which was his father's signature neckwear. Oh, he does. He's dressed just like his father. Yeah. Except for he keeps his hat. Mm-hmm. 
Which is why it's funny, yeah. Later on, you you see Shia LaBeouf try to take his hat, and even Harrison Ford snatches it away. And so, canonically, nobody gets his hat. He wears that hat for the rest of his fucking life, and then he's buried with it. For the record, Shia LaBeouf does not deserve the hat. Shia LaBeouf deserves lots of things that are not the hat. He needs needs help, Jamie. Electroshock therapy, (laughs) ice water baths. Hey, now. Full frontal intracranial lobotomy. Let's not talk about... Let's not talk about the crazy house right now, okay? I made an entire t-shirt that I sold. I made a couple grand off of Shia LaBeouf's crazy. So, no, not too many complaints. So, anyway, little kids get tripped by this old bastard who's who's yelling at them. And they just completely shit on the museum. Like, this place is full of old junk. This place stinks. I cannot stress this to you enough. The old man raises his cane and goes, I'm gonna clobber you. I mean, he threatens to beat these old kids. He's already assaulted them once. He's committed a number of crimes in the first 30 seconds uh, he's on this show. And again, and that's... That's after he escaped from the home. And my favorite part is if you just look in the background, there's just people walking by in the background. Is this old guy's yelling at and just like raising his fist with a cane about to just beat these kids. And he literally just cows them into submission. They're like, okay, okay, be, be cool, man. And it's like literally they don't want to be killed. They do not want to be beaten by a fucking crazy old gnarled tree. So we're going to see many crimes in this episode. But, but, so many but crimes. But this is the first. And we're like, so we're 30 seconds in. And Dr. Jones has assaulted and threatened children. So... Uh, he orders the kids to stay with him while he sits his old ass down. And then in the middle of this, his this dementia-ridden old fossil, he like forgets what he was talking about. He's like, hey, what was, what was I saying? And then if the kids had any sense at all, like in that moment, they would have just fucking bolted. He couldn't have gotten up from that bench very fast. And he would have forgotten who the, what was going on anyway. But instead, they were stupid enough to remind him. And then suddenly he's like, oh yes, I was born across the river. And he gives his birthday, which was, uh, you know, canonically July 1st, 1899, says it was in New Jersey. And then, like, by the clues, I was able to piece together that we are in the Penn Museum in Philadelphia, which happens to house one of the largest Egyptian collections in the United States. That's very cool. So that's how much of a nerd I am, is I literally looked on a fucking map and figured it out. Good for you, Jamie. But yeah, I I love the time period that he was born in. Is, I love the turn of the century. It's it's very interesting. And it's also very interesting on how things never really change. So this is how much I love you, five dollar or more subscribers. It's I literally went on Google Maps and hunted around for half an hour to figure out where this museum could be. And it could have easily just been bullshit. It could have been nothing. I could have wasted hours of my life. But no, it, it's legit. It literally is one of the largest Egyptian collections, and it all matches. So, as this old fart rambles on, uh, I cannot help remember th- remember that Indiana Jones was introduced to us in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we first see him, he is just this silent figure you only see from the back, and he just says almost nothing. Like, he, he cracks a gun out of somebody's hand with a bullwhip before he even says a few lines. In that whole first part of the movie, he's a man of few words. And so you have to imagine, like... And he doesn't say, anyone who does talk, he doesn't sound anything like this. Like George Hall famously decided he didn't even want to watch Harrison Ford's performances. He wasn't going to try to do an impression. He was just like, I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to be just this crotchety old man. Yeah. So, so it's like in our heads, we have to somehow figure out how he became this old fucking windbag. Actually, I don't think that that's what happened. I think that he was probably like one of the sidekick Remy character, like. 
Oh, this is... He's just some guy that Indiana Jones knew, and he has dementia so badly, he thinks... This is this short is round. His... <laughs> like, exactly. cosmetic surgery and brain damage. Something like that. Piece of his brain missing from the... I mean, stabbed in the eye. He became the hero it he It makes loved. no sense to me that Indiana Jones would even no. live to be 90 years old. <laughs> he should, no. man should be very dead. But... You know, weirdly enough, now we're going to see a, a really old Harrison Ford version in Dial of Destiny, which is why, like I said, George Hall's been erased from the timeline. But I reject that. We're going, we're going ahead <laughs> we're going with old back. ass Indy. So old Indy tells us that his father was a really smart, respected professor of medieval studies, and that his mother was a living saint on earth, perfect in every way. No other woman could ever compare. And all of this tracks with his daddy issues. Oh no, like. Honestly, if you actually follow this along, like his feelings about his parents explain a lot about his like later life in a bunch of different ways. So in the beginning, as he's narrating, he gets into all these little wholesome uh, early 1900s adventures. So he's like skipping class to play with his dog, Indiana. I, I love the dog scenes. Yeah. They're so cheesy. Yeah, and once again, that's a nod oh. to that, that they always make it a Malamute, which is the original Indiana that George Lucas had back in the 70s was, a, was an Alaskan Malamute. Uh, so you see him breaking, playing like, you know, well, it's not even backyard baseball. It's like side street baseball and he break a window. Um, he sent his dog up to die in a hot air balloon. Which, which is, they, and they didn't show it come back down. So it's like, after yeah. that, it's like, goodbye. Well, Indeed. remember, you see River Phoenix has a Malamute uh, as he just runs right by very briefly in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But you got to figure, that's like Indiana 3. By now, like, I don't and think that's the same dog. I think Indiana Jones killed that first dog in the hot air balloon. He could be on several by now. And again, right. he even mentions at the end of this particular episode that he had to get back to his dog. Yeah, he, so. loved, his, he loved his fucking dog. He loved his dog so much. He, he just he would much rather be named after his dog than his own father. And like I said, there's a little bit of psychology there. But, you know, I also get it, too. Like, I do. I do know plenty of people who went through their teenage years and they and they grab they grabbed a nickname either given to them or picked it for themselves. Call me this now. Like our own dad was called Jay mm -hmm. for years. Like his, like through his teenage years and like into his middle twenties before he went back to being called like Jim or Jimmy. He was Jay. So. Well, I have you know I've never been called anything but Bambi, and when I do have to use my real regular name, it's almost like an alias. Sam I mean, I go by my Jamie is my nickname technically too. So, you know, it's weird, but the, but we always went by it. Whereas he very specifically rejected his father's name and picked his dogs. So that just tells you something about a person, and that his dead mother is so sainted in his memory, like no woman can compare. So he just he just goes through them real so, yeah. so fast. They're just tissues. They're a single episode or a movie, and then that's it. So uh, we so yeah, more little rascals adventures. You see him on a railroad tracks with a little homemade little car that he and his buddies made. He electrocutes himself on a bicycle. Mm hmm. And so, oh, the electrocution oh. scene was so cheesy. Liz's hair oh, yeah. stood up straight. <gasps> he had the big surprised look on his face. All the other kids. They could have given The him, dog was barking. It was bad it acting. Was a big they could have given oh, that kid it, some real voltage. Come on. Okay, this kid's <laughs> acting is so bad, we might as well name him Anakin Skywalker. Let's, let's address it now. George Lucas is terrible at picking child oh, actors. Oh, my the God. The most wooden performers. You do not believe for a moment anything <laughs> that they're... It's really sad because it's like a 
it's a child being played by a child that's never met another child. And that child also has like some kind of autism. So it doesn't <laughs> quite grasp. So yeah. He's so bad. So for point so to be clear, so to make this easier for uh, so so whenever we're talking about nine or ten year old version, we're just gonna call him Henry, because everyone on the show does. At this point, he his dog is Indiana and he's he's Henry, or when his dad's talking to him, Junior. Junior. Which, yeah, I would hate someone that called me Junior all the time, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, we're, we're told by, by old Indy's narration that Dr. Jones Sr. got invited onto a big lecture tour in 1908. So they ditched the dog for a two-year trip around the world. So then at Oxford, um, they pick up Miss Seymour, who was a former tutor of Henry Sr. Which, by the way, she kind of looks like the old school marm. Just like well, Professor McGonagall. Well, well, very, very classic English governess. Oh yes, like so much, like so. like dressed all buttoned up, and very. And Professor McGonagall is a a extension of that stereotype mm-hmm. to the very prissy, old, older Uptight, older British face. educator woman who's here to make sure children behave and learn something. Oh yes, yes, yes. And and Miss Seymour. So because they're dragging their kid around the world. Dr. Henry Jones Sr. is not going to let his son's education slide. He gets the most hardcore teacher on planet Earth, the one who made him such a pain in the ass. Yeah, he picks that lady. And again, she didn't even work with younger students. She she claims that in the show. I don't work with... Well, she's like, he's too young. He's too young. He's like, the boy needs a governess, and I am a teacher. But then he uses his... He basically seduces her with his... His Scottish way. She's like, hello, money penny. He's like, wouldn't you like to see the Great Pyramid? It's so bad. Make it stop. See the Great Wall of China? <laughs> and she starts undoing her blouse. It's so gross. <laughs> it's this like, whole scene is And the is next weird. thing you know, she's all on board. So she's there, and Kid Indy hates it. Oh, he calls her... How many times does he call her a witch just in this one? <laughs> he Yeah, he referred to her as the Wicked Witch. Yes, and, and it's so weird because he always sort of refers to her like he hates her guts, but acts like he adores her most of the time when he's with her. So it's kind of hard to say. It's sort of Stockholm Syndrome, I think. Well, yeah, and the yeah, because you the way he described her was with zero love. Where this kid obviously, I mean, that was the only real affection I saw. Yeah, he, he, in the show, he loves this woman way more than he loved, he loved his, his father. That's for sure. For realsies. Now he so, adores his mother, and but yeah, to a ridiculous, unhealthy point. <laughs> But let's face it, Miss Seymour is basically a plot device. So she's there to, to A, uh, help explain why later on Indiana Jones has this like, incredible range of knowledge. Because um, they shoot, and, and to the show's credit, they show her just like any time they have downtime. He is forced to read a book. He is forced to be studying. If they're on a boat, she is just doing lessons, even as they're rocking around. Like, like, like they at least sell the fact that he is, con- like if they're not doing something, he is constantly being forced to study. Which is, yeah, this, uh, now granted, I'd say the kid had no fun, but But we only got to see the fun parts. Yeah. So it also gives them, this is also a show excuse for the educational dialogue that George Lucas was all about by having a teacher there like, oh, Henry, what is the history of this? Or what is that over there? And then he's, he's forced to give the answers and it's sort of a more 
organic way for them to shove all that knowledge into the into the story other than having random characters spouting exposition all the time. Yeah. Well, and then he gives our the beautiful speech at the dinner table. It, it's an excuse that they can break away from the parents and you can just have Miss Seymour with young Indy or Ms. Seymour with young Indy. Because being with the parents would have been boring as shit. Yeah. Plus, once again, Dr. Jones was very busy and he clearly wanted his wife with him and couldn't give a shit. Over and over, it's very clear. He's fine if Junior goes off and does whatever. Yeah, as long as mom's sitting at his elbow. And it's sort of hilarious, too, because even though Ms. Seymour was like, I am not a governess and all that, but she ultimately, she is totally his babysitter all the time. Yeah. That woman never has a moment off. God knows what, what Dr. Jones Sr. has to do for that woman in order to, to keep her on board. Gross. So gross. Let's not think about it. Um, yeah, you don't, in this episode, you don't get much of, of the mom yet. Just a few little lines of dialogue, and she's very soft-spoken. Oh, oh, Henry, are you dressed up? Are you have this? Don't, don't upset your father. You know how he gets when he drinks. <laughs> Stop yeah, and she mom wears these looks, big floral hats. Mom doesn't say a damn word when she, Dad is she's speaking. Terrified. <laughs> she just sits there quietly and calmly. And well, you see him all buttoned up, like reading all the time. And and you know how Sean Connery was very famously quoted is uh, when he was like, the reporter asked, all right, "Do you think it's okay to hit a woman?" And he's like, "Well, it depends on the circumstances. If there was merit in it, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you have to slap a bitch, you know." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so it just kind of makes sense that Dr. Jones Sr. is passed just down. See, this is one of the reasons why when you were like, oh, I don't understand why you wouldn't like Indiana Jones so much. I'm like, because it's oh, nothing no. but misogyny. Oh, it is riddled with misogyny. It's oh, it's serious. horrible. I mean, it's, he... it's hard to choke down. Even when I was a child, I was like, there's nothing here for me. I mean, Raider, we'll get to it and when we talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's introduced with the fact that he had an inappropriate relationship. I mean, the exact line was, I was a, ch I was a child. I was in love. It was wrong and you knew it. And it's like, that doesn't tell us very good things about uh, about Henry Jones Jr. No. He messed around with his teacher's underage daughter when he was like in his 20s, and that's not okay. No, Sean Patrick Flannery. However, we're, we're, but nine-year-old Indy isn't guilty of none of these crimes yet. Yet. However, like once he, again. Oh, once but again, he's, he, he's already like mischievous. There so. are some terrifying implications about what Dr. Jones Sr. might be like. Because he, <laughs> like I said, his wife is scared of him. Um, so little Henry has distractingly not blue eyes. Like I said, this kid Corey has very hazel eyes. It sometimes almost like brown and, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, and the fact that he is sort of Pinocchio, and he's yeah. a wooden puppet. Yeah, doesn't help. Just It's distracting. It's terrible. So, uh, during, he's so bad. <laughs> during a nine-day trip across the Mediterranean, this is the scene you're talking about. Mm -hmm. he, Henry has a little bit of fun at the dinner table. Oh, he gives this huge, long speech about mummification and yeah. grossing everybody out. Yeah, how you take out the, oh, the brains and the organs and, mm -hmm. and detail. And I, the one thing I love about it is Dad doesn't say a word in the whole scene. People are getting up. He's grossing everybody out. The ship's rocking. Pretty much to the point where everyone leaves except for little Henry and his dad. And... It's kind of amazing. He just looks at him. 
It's like proud of yourself, Junior. Well, no, what's great is he he he, he flips it and reverses <laughs> yeah. it because he's sitting there reading. He was just reading. He's, he's, he's reading shit. a book, but he was listening, and then mm-hmm. he was like, "Oh, it was a nice little speech, Junior." <laughs> and and then he's like, "Now eat your tripe." And then suddenly it's like, "Oh, little Henry grossed himself out," and then he runs out of the room to, to puke over the side, just like everybody else. For the record, and he and then Doctor maybe Jones it was Senior, just the tripe. And well, no, because then Doctor mm-hmm. Jones Senior just sits there and just mm-hmm. keeps on eating, reading his book like a lash. Some peace and goddamn quiet. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, he he is unfazed by any of this. Um, so then we get the the traditional Indiana Jones map with the red line thing that takes us finally to this do, 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 do. to Alexandria, and then they make their way to Cairo, which is a city we first saw in Indy's first film, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So then Miss Seymour takes Henry to see the monuments, the pyramids, and the Sphinx. And she decides she wants to k- climb the pyramids to catch a street view, which is like sort of jarring. You're like, well, this old lady wearing a long ass dress. Like, oh, come on, Henry, we're going to climb one of the great pyramids. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and he's like way behind her, this geriatric old bitty, but she's moving like lightning. I know, and meanwhile, he's like, oh, God, and he's this little kid. He's this little kid with struggling. His little, his little fingers. And, um, but the one, they have a little line of dialogue where uh, Henry expresses concern because she didn't pay their guide who had their camels as much as he wanted. And she's just, just basically, she's a very British colonizer. She's like, don't you know these people negotiating? Is a, what she, he'll be grateful for what I have given him by the time we get down. And it's just sort of this very contrived excuse. And to get up there, you see this gorgeous scenery because they filmed on location. Oh, the scenery in this. I cannot stress how good the cinematography was. Well, no. They They had such long, good shots of the Pyramids of Giza. One of the things George Lucas did not skimp on in this show. They shot this, this show in 25 countries. It was like on location shooting. You got to I mean, they shot the actual fucking pyramids, you know, they they went to some of these places. Um but anyway, they go up in the top of the pyramids, check out the gorgeous view, and then the camel uh the guide with the camels gets pissed cuz she's a cheapskate and he takes off. And then they scramble down the side of the pyramids. And she's asking the child, what shall we do? And all the little kids are like, come back with our camels. Hey, oh, man. Golly gee whiz. Oh, it's so bad. I cannot stress enough how bad this kid was. And then it's like, yes. <laughs> so Miss Seymour's casual racism almost gets them killed. But then a strange figure comes from the distance. We see him riding with the setting sun coming behind him, this this figure on a bicycle wearing a gentleman's suit, but a turban wrapped around his head. And so, of course, it could be none other than... Dun, dun, dun! Our first historical figure. Lawrence of Arabia. Absolutely. So, yes. Uh, Mr. Lawrence, who, uh, who insists, called me Ned. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was a student. Yeah, we found out that he also was also uh, one of Ms. Seymour's former students who just happened to run into her on the side of the pyramids um, and also is a fan of Dr. Jones Sr.'s books. So he's like, oh, I have read your father's books. They are brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, they offer to help. He offers to help them, of course, and then yeah, they she's like, make camp. Oh, whatever shall we do? And he's like, gather up some camel dung and make jolly sure we don't catch cold. That's right, yeah. cheerio, pip pip. And he's so like the most like cliche 
like British gentleman, but also like I said, he's but he's got this little heart of an adventurer and a and a and They did resist the eyeliner. I was expecting the hardcore go. eyeliner, but they didn't go for it and I was sad. They should have. They yeah. should have just went full on. But and it's interesting too now, even though Steven Spielberg had no direct involvement in this, uh Lawrence of Arabia, the film is is famously his favorite movie of all time. And is a you know is a masterpiece of like classic golden age Hollywood. I do recommend it. And Lawrence of Arabia himself, a pretty cool, pretty cool dude. However, uh, we'll, we'll, when you we, wouldn't know it from this. When we get to a later section, we'll talk about how he relate how this guy relates to the actual dude a little bit. Uh, so anyway, they're 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 building their poop fire, <laughs> and uh, and Lawrence tells Henry just how how fucking cool it is to crack open a tomb for the first time. And, you know, it's like, you're breathing the same air as them. You'll see the footsteps of the men who built the tomb in the dust. And Henry's, like, getting enchanted. And suddenly, his eyes light up, and that first interest in archaeology is born right then and there. And Ned says, maybe you'll add a new page to history. We'll find some treasure without price. Oh, that's what he wants. He wants the treasure. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. That's the first. But then he warns little Henry that archaeologists never get rich. And he swears that they totally <laughs> aren't thieves robbing graves. But, oh, we're opening up the past. We are not invading <laughs> other countries and taking their treasures. No, no, no. We British would never do such a thing. Because it belongs in a museum. It belongs just in a, in a museum or maybe a rich person's house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, they're totally tomb robbers. What are you talking about? So, so then Ned gets into the various religious beliefs about the afterlife. So he talks about the Muslim paradise as a delightful place, especially if you're a man. Tea. Well, that's because, you know, um, she was giving this lecture about heaven. Yes. And... And Catholicism and la la. And he was like... Yeah, because they started with them talking about the mummies. They were what they believed about the mummies. About and why that they... Because you know, why do you keep stuff after you die? You know? Why the mummies need need treasure and, and stuff in their tomb. And it related this whole like philosophical religious conversation. But then little then Ned decides to be fun to make little Henry poop his pants by telling him a scary story right Which before is bed. hilarious. So he's like talking about... You could ask a mummy if he comes back to life when he's walking at you. Shuffle, 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 shuffle. And he's just being creepy as fuck, and little Henry's. Like, Ate oh. it up with a spoon, going, gee And whiz. this comes to bite everyone in the ass later on. <laughs> so Ned scares the shit out of Henry, who, has to, who just has nothing but nightmares <laughs> all night, <laughs> screaming and crying. And then the next day, Ned invites them to go upriver with him to the Valley of the Kings to where his buddy... Name drop, Howard Carter. Howard Carter. Is engaged in a before. dig. Before. This is the dig before. This is early Howard Carter. Who we, Once again, we will talk about him in a little bit more. But Howard Carter's engaged in a dig, and, and, and Lawrence is invited to hang along, and he invites uh, Miss Seymour and Henry. So uh, Henry has to ask his father for permission, and Dr. Jones Sr. gives him a blank journal to keep and chronicle all his travels. It's, Write down anything that interests you or excites you or is noteworthy. And again, mom wasn't even allowed to show excitement or any kind of expression. She just mutely... Yes, sat there with her hands folded, just like waiting for the opportunity to like talk to her child. I have no opinion until my husband gives an answer. And then the minute he gave an answer and walked out of the room, she gave him a hug and started acting like a mom. Yep, her terrifying husband. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure that the bullwhip... 
that he found. It wasn't the first one. Yeah, I saw the, the, the Jones. It's dark. Man, the Jones men are, are good with the whip. Yeah, it's dark. Well, uh, the journal becomes like a whole thing in the show. Like later on, you see teenage Indy has it all filled out with all kinds of stuff. Um, sort of kind of like mim- mimicking what they did with Last Crusade with Dr. Jones Sr.'s Grail Diary. Although I have to say this one thing about Mom. She is kind of a hot blonde and it's kind of a little... Well, she gets a, a whole... like mm-hmm. Later on, it she ex- gets a storyline where she gets a sexy storyline. But well, we'll have to. That's that's coming up in an episode or two. But she, yeah, it's almost like you see where the Willie type came in because visually. Yeah, he's he's got, he got mom issues. He's got daddy. He's got, she's got all kinds of issues. He so, is so issue. So anyway, he's given the journal, and like I said, this like in the later on the opening credits, like the journal is featured in the opening credits. Like this is where where he, Henry writes down all of the notes and learns all his stuff as he goes along. So uh, on the trip in the Nile, Ned tells little Henry, um, he's like, to learn the language everywhere he goes, which is another thing. Like later on, Indiana mm-hmm. Jones knows every fucking language everywhere they go anywhere. He like he can he knew uh, he knew Mandarin Chinese at the beginning of Temple of Doom, and then later on could speak to the people in India. Like he just knows a ridiculous number of languages. Uh, and this is supposed to be like like Ned just tells him that, and you know, once again, that is. Consistent with Lawrence, with Lawrence, who did uh, learn the languages uh, of different places that he went and spoke Arabic very well, which he demonstrates when he talks to this dude on the boat. Uh, so there's an Easter egg. When they reach the Valley of the Kings, you can hear some workers singing the same song the Egyptian diggers were using in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just for a moment, they walk by and you hear in the background. It's like, oh, that's cool. Um, and you see little Henry, he's wearing his little khaki uniform with his little clam digger pants and his little pith helmet on, and he looks so cute. With his little bowl cut. Yeah, a little, his little... Floppy little bowl adorable cut. adorable mop of hair. And then... Kid Ned, looks like Dennis the Menace. Yep. And he is, and then just like Dennis the Menace, just constantly being dragged along or in, involves himself in all these situations he really, as a nine-year-old, should not have any part of. So, Ned introduces them to Rashid Salam. A really nice guy who, um, so like the show works really hard for us, like in the 30 seconds we get with him to make us really like Rashid. He's like, oh, he's such a nice guy. And he, oh, you want to rub little Henry's head? And, and, and so it's like, and Henry will hold the love of Rashid in his heart for the next seven years of his life. (laughs) He's going to have that torch. Rashid means so much to him and apparently to us. This dude, Mr. Golly, comes running up because the workers are all wanting to quit because of a curse. There's a curse! And you can kind of see the guy in the background doing his yeah. his shady shit. If you look yep. closely. Yeah, Henry immediately, his ears perk up like a cat's. He's like, curse? And he's like, curse, remembering that, uh, you know, Ned told him this spooky-ass story than, you know, earlier. About mummies. And he does not let go of this curse thing ever. <laughs> like a pit bull, he latches on to the whole curse deal. So then we are conspicuously introduced to Mr. Demetrios, the demolitions expert, who blows up something so that uh, they can get into the tombs. Your big explosion. Boom! And then next up, we meet an outrageously French photographer named Pierre Duclos, who is photographing the dig. He uses flash powder. Flash! So you see the big flash of the camera, you know, old-timey 1908 camera. And so Howard Carter uh, comes in and identifies um, some seals 
uh, with some obscure pharaoh named Tutankhamun. Because, of course, you know, later on, yes. Coward Carter is the famous discoverer of King Tut's tomb, as we will talk about in the later section. But this isn't it. This was just no. an archetype. This was just a name drop. And then you see Henry just grabs a priceless artifact covering in tomb dust off the table. There's a wooden flute, and he just shoves his slobbery little nine-year-old mouth all over it. And everybody's like, oh, you little scamp. No one says <laughs> no really one anything except the for the, the governess gave him a look like, I'm going to beat you later. Can you fucking imagine if, if Dr. Jones Sr. had been in the room? What would have happened to little Henry that night when he got back to the room? Bullet. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Henry, it's time to teach you what happens when you touch valuable artifacts. Remember, I just remember in, in, in uh, Last Crusade when he breaks a, a, a vase over his son's head and then feels bad about it because he thinks he broke a valuable Ming dynasty. And then he's it's like, like he yeah. Just, that's all part of the whole thing. Oh, Junior, you have made a terrible mistake. This is for your own good. Oh, so okay. dark. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we so we meet the 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 dude who blows things up, and the guy takes the pictures, and, and then, then yeah, Carter. Thirty uh, seconds later, they walk into a perfectly excavated tomb. Yeah, well, yeah, through even magic. though they had just yeah through magic because they had just blown up this place on the cliffside, which by the way, and then they had to like, but when they filmed it, it was flattened down. Yeah, you know, it was so funny. Yeah, suddenly we're in a sound stage. Yeah. Weird how that happens. So uh, before they go in there, Carter explains that the tomb they're investigating, like you said, is uh, is a guy named Ka, who was like an architect or an engineer. And then the camera kind of weirdly hangs on Demetrius, the the demolitions dude, while Carter is explaining things, like because this show is not hiding its clues. No, <laughs> this is, and you know, to be fair, this is the foreshadowing. It's supposed is to not be subtle. Sort of pulp action, like in the tradition of Nina Jones, subtle's not supposed to be really part of the deal. But if you're gonna do a murder mystery, you could at least try a little fucking harder. Like, like as they're talking about the treasure. In fairness, dude, though, we're talking about a murder mystery that needed to be solved by a ten-year-old. Well, nine-year-old. Nine. He's not even, he hasn't even hit ten yet. Not even double digits. Tisk, yep. tisk, tisk. And, and of course, like very young Lawrence of Arabia, who is our. And again, it was like the kid goes down into the tomb. It was like, here, child, go first. There might be poisonous gas. Oh yeah, well, that's the, the fun part because <laughs> yeah, of course. Once again, the Dennis the Menace thing. Like Howard just immediately is like, oh Henry, would you like to come down into this this highly dangerous tomb with us? Of course, that's a good chap. We could all die. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, Henry's like, God, jeepers, creepers, golly gee willikers, mister. It's That'd so be bad. And then you peer, the photographer takes their picture at that exact moment with his creepy <laughs> smile. <laughs> and then Mr. Golly, the dude who is leading the workers, once again warns the stupid white people about the mummy's curse. And they give him all the respect you'd expect, you know, early you know, 20th century British people to give. And he goes, and, and so I think it was Lawrence who tells him, oh, it's just superstition. And mm-hmm. then Demetrius suddenly says, superstition, it's the curse. <laughs> Once again, and the camera hangs on him. It's like, do you get it? He's going to do something. And then the kid's just sitting there with this stupid fucking look on his face. <gasps> like, so, <laughs> he just maintains that dumbass look throughout the entire show. It's almost amazing. So, Such a great actor. So, Demi- uh, so yeah, um, the soundtrack gets all spooky as they enter the soundstage. 
I mean, the tomb. Um, and Carter explains that airtight chambers can contain poisonous gases. So if you ever unseal one, you got to be careful. Right, right? That's why we have this little canary in a coal mine, this little boy with us, because he'll be the first to drop, and then we adults can get our healthier lungs up to safety. It's it's such a bad scene. Now, they say, they, they talk about that some tombs are booby-trapped, but say that since Ka was just a lowly architect, he probably wasn't worth the trouble of any hardcore booby-trappage. Um, and then they get to a, they get to the big door. Carter reads the hieroglyphics on the sealed door. He that enters my tomb, I shall burn with my fire. And Indy is stupidly like, oh, we are fucked, y'all. So they start cutting open this door, and he looks more concerned by the moment. Yep. And then the door magically and yes, easily it, just glides open without hardly a squeak. Right, but remember who who broke the seals? It was Rashid. At the orders of Mr. Carter. So they go into the main burial chamber and don't see stuff they were expecting. And they kind of speculate that maybe people, some, even though it was sealed, maybe somebody was in here before us. But they do find the sarcophagus. Pop that open. So Carter and Lawrence open up the sarcophagus. Uh, and for some reason there's spider webs inside the coffin. Just to make it creepier. Yeah. And and you, and you reveals Ka's grinning face. This nasty mummy with his teeth all out. And, and so then they have this child go over the coffin and drool on it. Yeah, for little a while. Henry goes, Holy smokes. Well, they're holding big, giant, giant. torches. And it, I swear there's one point where it looked like Henry, I thought he was just going to drop it. Poof. Mummy go bye bye. Holy smokes. Golly gee willikers. And that's when he became. That mummy really look, really goes up fast. <laughs> that's the way it should have happened. So they theorize that there must be like another chamber in here. So they split up to search for secret doors. D&D style. And it is Ned who makes the high roll. And uh, so they, they find out a place where there's an impression. So they had to carve it out of the plaster wall. And then actually pull open the door. But that's when we get a tomb fart. So to, to the, the air turns Carter's torch green. He's like, it's poisonous gas. Run for your lives. And they all bolt out of there. And the old lady was first. Yeah. She's fucking quick as a whip, dude. Yeah, she, that, that, she is spry. And little Henry, she's like, if you can't keep up, Henry, that is on you. I can make another one of you with your father. <laughs> That's so gross. No. It would have to be free magic. So they run away coughing to get fresh air, and then Carter just says, you know, it'll be safe. To, it'll clear out by the morning, and then we can go back and check it out. And so Rashid is set to guard the entrance. And uh, Carter gets a pistol for him from the armory, so he'll be an armed guard that night. And little Henry offers to stand guard with him. And and Rashid says, that's very brave of you, Mr. Jones, but I'll be all right. Which, you know, again, not very good foreshadowing. Literally the last words he ever speaks. Which I still do not understand young Indy's love for this dude. Rashid. Like, it burns. Like, there must be, like, half an hour... Of footage of Indy and Rashid just having the best time going out on boat rides and getting drunk it's <laughs> behind very a tent, funny. looking at nudie magazines. And then, you know, so the rush, so we, we know, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll the never love know the story. bonding experience that little Indy had with Rashid that made him love him so much. So Indy wanted to be with him. Indy wanted to die with Rashid that night. But instead, he he went back to his tent and covered his head. Covered his head, so because he was scared. Because he was scared because he's been told about curses and mummies coming back to life, and he saw the fucking mummy, and it was creepy as hell. So we get like an overnight montage, and little Henry, like you said, wetting himself because there's <laughs> jackals howling in the distance. 
And you see Rashid bravely guarding the entrance. And that is the last time we see Rashid alive. Because <laughs> the next day... Cut to little Henry shrieking, Rashid! Rashid, where are you? <laughs> He's missing. So they go down to the tomb. Um, and they and they find Ka, the mummies, out of the coffin. It's just missing completely. And Henry immediately knows exactly what happened. It climbed out of its <laughs> coffin and got <laughs> Rashid! Ah, it's Miss, a ghoul! Miss Seymour's like, you're a fucking idiot, Henry. Shh. <laughs> Quiet down now, or I must beat you with my ruler. So uh, Ned finds Rashid in the treasure chamber, the one they had unsealed uh, the day before, very dead, his face completely... Burtly burnt off. Yeah, his face is burnt off, even though they do find blunt force trauma on the side of his head. Carter volunteers to take uh, Rashid's body back to Cairo uh, for a proper inquiry at the authorities involved. You know, we do this properly. I am British. Yes, because, you know, they have to... There are rules about grave robbing. Yeah, anyway, You've got to follow him. He's followed all the proper paperwork. Um, so, so He's not a bad guy at all. But then Ned does some Sherlock Holmes shit and finds silver powder like on the lower half of the corpse. And nothing seems disturbed in the chamber, so Ned is confused about why there's it doesn't seem to be a motive. And then Henry reminds everybody, uh, Duh, you guys. He who enters my tomb, I shall burn with my fire. It's the curse, you dumb motherfuckers. Get out! Get out while we still can! And the workers agree and lose their goddamn minds. She just literally cuts to a shot of them just like running and screaming in random directions like the most hysterical. It's not a flattering look. It's like, oh, these silly brown people and your superstitions. <laughs> you and the child. Meanwhile, then the, the kid is not helping things. Screaming, it's like, yep, yeah, that's what happened. He burned his fucking face off. Ah! Uh, and then Mr. Golly is watching smugly from atop the hill. He's like very clearly not in on this, you know, freak out. So at lunch, Henry is getting more and more worked up. And the idea that the mummy rose up and killed Rashid. So Ned had to explain that he just made up all that bullshit about mummies rising from the dead. And that, he, that he's a pathological liar who should be ashamed of himself. But his favorite drug is terrifying little boys. <laughs> it's very funny. Yeah. And he's like, what? You're, you're a fucking liar, you piece of shit? Yeah. He he did not seem very happy about but then, him exaggerating the truth. But then Lawrence is like, yes, but it makes life more interesting. See, old boy, it'll be great. And so it doesn't matter. Henry never loses his love for Ned and how, how great he is. And so really, this is just the adventures in this dementia's dude head. Yeah. So to prove uh, just um, absolutely how there is no danger of runaway mummies, uh, Ned drags Henry and Miss Seymour back down into the tomb to look for more clues. Like, yes, what this situation needs is a nine-year-old boy. Multiple well, times. <laughs> The nine-year-old boy, the worst lookout ever. Yeah. Well, right now they're just going around looking for clues, and Henry uh, checks, looks in the coffin to make sure Ka's still missing, and he is. Um, and then uh, looking around, they also find a big bust of Ka as he appeared in life, um, and there's an inscription. And Ned apparently can read hieroglyphics just as proficiently as Howard Carter, because he immediately just goes, oh, yes. And he's like, blah, 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 a sacred jackal with eyes of fire. Except they realize that uh, Henry points out that there is no headpiece on this little uh, statue. And, and then that's when Ned's like, ah, it's been broken off. And he's like, jolly good, we have a motive now. And they realize, okay, so, uh, so our boy Rashid was killed so that somebody could snatch this piece of treasure off of the statue's head, the jackal with eyes of fire. 
while everyone else was waiting for the poison air to clean to clear. Yep. It's very sad. Yep. Kills him for the treasure, and so uh, Ned uh, later on there back in the in the the, the mess tent, and Ned and draws. And young Indy takes this very personally. Oh yeah, he is not stolen he for gain. It belongs in a museum, museum. and um. And Ned draws a picture of what this jackal headpiece is supposed to look like. So, and then uh, and Indy keeps it. It's in his journal later on, like years later. So they so they they go over their list of suspects. And apparently, young Indy gets obsessed with this for the rest yes. of his his life, well, or at for, least for the next, well, next seven, seven years. years. So uh, their first suspect is named is Mr. Gully, the leader of the workers, because he wears a fez. And so they're like, okay, maybe him. Uh, next, they pull out the silver powder that Ned had taken off the corpse and put it in an envelope and he pulls it out, lights it with a match and goes, poof, looks just like the photographer's flash powder. So next on the list is Pierre. So um, the next morning, Ned scares the bejesus out of Henry in bed. So it has this menacing shot of someone sneaking up on little little sleeping Henry and then and then Ned just, just put his hand and over he, his mouth. Uh, just fucking causes him. Just, I told poor you. Poor kid, he finally got to sleep. Once again, his favorite drug is <laughs> making little kids shit themselves. So, uh, so Hill Henry has to change his pants again before the next move. So he's trying to, he wants him to be quiet because he asks Henry to be a lookout because um, Ned wants to go search Pierre's tent for clues. So Henry's supposed to keep an eye on the photographer. Ned's going to go, Ned draws his service pistol and it looks for a second like he's about to hand it to him. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Henry, old lad, if you have to, if you have to drill that French motherfucker, <laughs> this is what you use. You it's very funny. Squeeze the trigger. Do not pull it. <laughs> Shoot for center mass. <laughs> but no, he actually just takes the gun himself and Ned runs into the tent. But he wants to make sure and he goes, oh, uh, what did he say? Holy smokes. smokes. He always says he's super cheesy, oh. wholesome little apple pie phrases like that at this point. He's Batman's sidekick. He's just Very rolling. different. <laughs> you know, later on, Dr. James is more phrases, phrases like, Oh, shit. <laughs> he can't be Batman yet. Right now, he's right. just Robin. He's, just, he's a nine-year-old boy. We'll go easy on him. So anyway, um, so Henry watches Pierre smoking a cigarette, and then he kind of makes his way into the tomb in a very suspicious manner. So the little boy very intelligently uh, follows the suspected murderer by himself <laughs> down into the dark dungeon. Where, yeah, where his friend was just murdered. Yeah. Susp possibly by this dude. Good yeah. call, Henry. Uh, up top, Ned doesn't find shit in the tent. And then starts wondering what the hell happened to that kid. And so then he goes, grabs Mrs. Seymour. Mrs. Seymour sees that the gun's out. It's like, good heavens, oh, what's just going on? He's like, to the tomb! So maybe he's like, maybe I shouldn't have uh, involved a small child in my murder investigation. Um, so creeping around in the dark, Henry nervously leans up against a wall. And he accidentally pops open another little secret chamber, almost like a little closet. Uh, which is where he finds the mummy. Or rather, it falls on top of him. So Ka the mummy falls on top of Henry and, and he traumatizes goes, ah! him for life. No. He 100% shits his pants like he and cries his eyes out every night for a month after this. He is fucked up. This is years of therapy. He's been he's had this guy put his been told that a mummy will come into life and try to kill you, and then this thing just mummy just comes <laughs> flying at him. Fucked up. This poor little boy. He's face first in a mummy. It's terrible. So the, the little in Henry screaming the mummy. He's gonna kill me. He's gonna kill me. And then and then he's like, then he's like screaming that the crazed Frenchman's trying to kill him. 
He's like, just like you killed Rashid. And then Ned, that's just as Ned rushes in with a fucking drawn gun. And Pierre's like, oh no, I am, I am the fucked. <laughs> and Pierre explains it. He's like, dude, I was just taking unauthorized photographs so I can sell them to the, the newspapers and make some extra scratch. I am just an unethical photojournalist. I am not a murderer. And then uh, when questioned, he's like, yeah, but what about that magnesium powder? Huh? Huh? You murdering bastard. And Pierre points out, I was like, I am not the only one who uses magnesium powder. No, no. And then we go to suspect number well, two. Well, that's when Henry finds a clue in the mummy. So kind of wedged in between Ka's ribs is the ignition pump. That thing you use when, like, the, when you're doing blasting a big thing of dynamite. You have that box with the pump. And the the line that goes to the actual dynamite, well, the 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 little pump handle uh, is wedged inside of Codrips for some goddamn reason that makes no sense other than it's a good clue to tell us why would that be there? No fucking clue. It makes no they sense. They needed evidence. Bad writing is the real reason, but it it works for the purposes of our story. Suddenly, so Ned smacks himself on the head like he could have had a V eight. He's like, Demetrius, and so we have identified our murderer. So they go dashing off to prove the case once and for all. So they go into Demetrius' his tent and match it to his dynamite box. Because it's a good piece of evidence. Yep. So Mystery solved. So they instantly solve it. Um, and then Henry goes like, look, magnesium powder. I mean, it's like it's like a Scooby-Doo kind of ending where like all the clues are lining up. So then you just have to pull off his mask and find it was just actually old man Willikers, the owner of the abandoned amusement park. And then, in this case, he gets away. But in this case, yeah, he gets away. And it torments young Indiana for seven long yes. years. Yes, realizing that the dastardly villain has escaped, Ned dons his trusty bicycle. And weirdly enough, like, and in a split second, he, like, jumps on the bicycle and suddenly he's wearing his turban again. Because he has to look cool for his, for his heroic uh, shot as he rides off into the distance. And Henry's like, don't go, Ned. And then, uh, but he promises to write Henry. Ned's like, I, and he declares, like, and you really are a splendid chap. But that's how young Indiana Jones became friends with Lawrence of Arabia, Arabia. for absolutely and, zero And reason. carried the burning love torch. of Rashid. The torch of love for Rashid so, until he can finally revenge his death. So we cut back to 1992. And I say revenged because that, that's ultimately what happens. Yeah. We'll get there, but spoiler. Not for a while. We got we got seven years to go before we get to the to avenging Rashid's death. We will miss him dearly. <laughs> oh, was, Rashid. We'll think about you every the, day. The missing Rashid years are really <laughs> gonna take a lot out of us. Um, so we we return back to 1992 and old ass Indiana Jones, who says he rode like the wind, like the hand of God was upon him. Don't forget me, he cried, as if I ever would. The man was a hero, even then. That, okay. Yeah. Then he has another senior moment and completely forgets what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, this is a cheese. Oh, fucking, uh, what am I doing here? He's like, why are these children hanging around me? Just genuinely, he's like, there's no fucking clue what's going on. And the kids bug the old man. Did he catch the killer? And then old Indy suddenly remembers what he's fucking talking about again. And he explains that the bad guy got away by the ship and that Ned had missed him by like five minutes. And they're like, well, then what happened? And he's like, oh, Miss Seymour and I went back to Cairo with my parents. We're back on our trip. Fuck off. <laughs> the little kids have like 
story blue balls because they're like, wait, it's like there was a murder and stolen treasure, and you like forced us to listen to listen to you for goddamn hours. Our school bus is left. We've been abandoned in the city, and they're like, is that all? And then he goes. Of course not! And then they start chasing him down to bug him again. Now, it would be hilarious if he literally said, Of course not! And just, <laughs> just walked walk away. away. And those kids never knew what happened or anything else for the rest of the time. However, <laughs> in reality, uh, the the second half of the introductory movie will pick back up seven years later with Sean Patrick Flannery when he solves the murder and recovers the treasure. But that's not for us today because we are going chronological. And that sucks. So we don't get, tre- we don't get dreamy teenage uh, indie for a while, Bambi. We got little boy indie. He's so annoying and Sean Patrick Flannery's so hot. It's not fair. No, we are stuck with young indie for a while with just a little bit of George Hall to... To get us through it. This gnarled old fucking tree. <laughs> He's so bad. It's all, it's all so bad. So now we get to our second section of the show. That belongs in a museum. Oh. This is where we go over the historical figures, lessons, and artifacts featured in today's episode. Oh, goody, this is my lesson. So, well, we're just going over what we saw on the show. So, the, um, the, we had the lovely graphic description of the making of an Egyptian mummy when he was making everybody puke in the galley on the mm-hmm. ship. Yep. He's like, yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta break the nose before you tease the brains out with a hook. Get this lovely yeah. little thing. Yeah, you he gave about a whole speech talking about, about separating the organs into canopic jars and all that shit. So you got, you got some some nice little. Hey, we learned that shit at almost the same age. And honestly, it's like as a nine year old boy, that's mm-hmm. like it's the most perfect shit. It's gross and macabre and all that. Um, so we early on we visit the pyramids and the Sphinx, and you get a little history lesson from Miss Seymour. Oh, and the I can't express how good the shots are. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous, and it really makes you want, like, it would be really cool to see these things with your own eyes. And, of course, our first historical personage is Lawrence of Arabia. Dun, dun, dun. So, that's the thing. His name was, I think, Theodore. I mean, he, he went by Ned, which I guess was like a, like, Ted, Theodore, Ted, Ned. I, I don't know. I don't know why he went by that, but whatever. Mr. Lawrence. And, and they very, very, they want to make that establishing and leaving shots of him, that iconic him on a bicycle with the turban wrapped around his head, his piercing blue eyes over his like tanned English skin. And no eyeliner. But seeing him on the bicycle both times is kind of ironic because I don't know if you know this, but the real Lawrence Arabia died because of injuries suffered in a motorcycle accident. He wasn't even very old. Poor guy didn't even, I mean, he, I think he died two years younger than I am right now. Like, he did not. I don't know a whole lot about Lawrence of Arabia, and I never saw the film. Uh, really, really good movie. I mean, not necessarily all historically accurate, but very, very cool guy. Uh, so, yeah. Not um, historically accurate? You don't say. However, the main idea, so Lawrence of Arabia was most famous for being involved in the Arab revolt mm-hmm. against the Ottoman yes. Empire. So, the Turks went uh, thing. Now, however. It's nobody's business but the Turks. This yeah, this uh, f- this definitely no. Indiana Jones is fudging with history here because I don't think he even learned Arabic until 1910, and he didn't visit Egypt until 1912. So like him even being here was totally fudged and bullshit. The the real Lawrence never w- was going to be around at this point. Uh, he was, however, super interested in archaeology and like he had ca- checked out all these castles in Europe and then went down and did some tomb raiding in Egypt. Just not until several years later. He so he would never have caught up with young Henry. They fudged a timeline. Yeah, it's just, not going to be their greatest crime. Just to make it work. No, they're 
Yeah, no, not a, not even a little bit. Uh, we also, of course, meet Howard Carter, famous for his work in the Valley of the Kings and the fact that he discovered King Tut's tomb. Mm-hmm. Famous, her- horrific tomb robber. Now, as far as I can tell from a quick check, this famous tomb robber wasn't working anywhere near the Valley of the Kings in 1908. However, we did get that like name drop of King mm-hmm. Tut, like, I am on the trail of Tutankhamun. Which is It'd be jolly funny. good, jolly good if I found that king's tomb. And wasn't, he discovered it almost by accident. Yep. It was, yeah. Yep. It was literally just one of the people working in there accidentally yeah. opened the thing that he found it. Yeah, it was not him. Not him at all. Other than just him getting, getting local workers. I to have do to be the him. first one in the tomb because I need the pictures. Yeah. So he had a photographer with him. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ka, the, the mummy featured in this episode, mm-hmm. it turns out there really was a royal uh, architect named Ka in the 18th dynasty of, in- of Egypt. This is about 1400 BC. Um, now, it, however, it turns out that Ka's tomb was actually discovered in 1906 by Egyptologist Ernesto Schiaparelli, which is why Ka's mummy and most of the artifacts are in a museum in Turin, Italy. So Howard Carter had nothing to do with the discovery of Ka. And, so, and actually, if you want to see, there's something like over 500 artifacts from Ka's tomb are in Italy. Very cool. Because of what course, about the headpiece? Ah, uh, there that, that was no such thing. <laughs> uh, there was, however, I'll put it up in the show notes. Uh, there was a, a cool medical examination, like only from a few years back, where there where they had some forensic medical dudes mm-hmm. examine the mummy and, and all this detail. Like he was not like he was not mummified the way um, little Henry described. This was like a whole body mummy with the brains and all the organs still inside the corpse. Ooh. So they were a actually, juicy so there was a he was a juicy mummy and they were able to do all this examination to get all this like medical information. So I'll put that link in the show notes. Somebody wants to find out about dead Ka um, so yeah, the Jackal with the Eyes of Fire, this seems to be 100% made up by George Lucas just to give us a treasure to but, be a centerpiece for the whole thing. Because that's what really it's about, is the treasure. Yeah, because there, I mean, there is there's, um, another thing that will go on the show notes. There's a Wikipedia entry that's literally all about this exact excavation of Ka's tomb that has a pretty big list of all the artifacts recovered and nothing nothing about a jackal, nothing, nothing that sexy. So, Which yeah. makes sense. And I think that, as far as the history, artifact, or archaeology, and that kind of shit, I think that's just about it. All anything, right. Can you think of anything else, um, historically speaking? No, not really. All right. Well, I think that it'll do it for today. Um, the second half of Curse of the Jackal will have to wait again a while because we're going to continue with the adventures of young nine-year-old Indiana Jones next week. Because he hates me. Yep. You have to earn it. You have to earn your River Phoenix and Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh, I and I have to. First of all, I could never ever earn and the love of either of those men. But considering I have loved them and for Harrison a very Ford, long time, I love Harrison Ford. And I got to wait longer. I love than Harrison that. Ford. He's even if he is a crotchety old bastard. If you are still listening and you want to continue with our adventures with Henry Jones Jr., then. Uh, Go to ChainsawHistory.com and subscribe at the $5 level or higher, and you can hear every single piece of content we make. Hear me choke on the misogyny of all of it. Yep. You're going to hear each other read children's books in the Value Of series when we uh, go over these uh, kids' history books that our parents forced us to read. It's good times. And there will also be bonus articles and other content up on the website. So if you subscribe, you'll get that. But... 
Uh, other things you can do is make sure you rate and review our podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, because that helps us a lot. If you want to slap like a little five-star rating and a quick review so talking about how delightful and charming the hosts are, it, it certainly helps boost us in the algorithm and helps our podcast get discovered by people who don't follow me on Facebook. That would be nice. Yeah. Especially since I have no Facebook followers. So if you are one of those subscribers, thank you very much. You are the wind beneath our wings. We will be coming back to you soon with future scripted episodes and more with Dr. Jones. Yeah, and you know, if we can tease people with a Q&A. Look, yeah, another thing we'll be looking for on ChainsawHistory.com is we're going to be showing some subscription goals, both for um, paid and unpaid subscriptions. So, so more on that soon. Until then... Catch you next time. Bye. Maybe it's cool for you, dude, but we think it stinks. Hold on, I'll clobber you. Be cool, man. Be cool. Mm.